So I'm going to share this morning uh, a message about Thanksgiving, and I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and, uh, and then we'll also be in John chapter 15, John chapter 15. I'll give you one more. How about I give you three scriptures? John 15, so 1 Thessalonians 5, my goodness, John 15, and then also Philippians 4. If you want to kind of mark those three, uh, we'll, we'll turn to those. We will also have the verses up on the screen for you this morning, so you can read, uh, we can read those together. Thanksgiving. I want to start, though, I'm going to read a psalm, um, and, and here's what I want you to do. The words will be on the screen, but if you, if you want to do this, if you would just close your eyes and listen to the words. Listen to the words. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Father God, this morning we, we align our hearts with this psalm. Lord, that we, we've been singing and praising and, and singing praise to your name, lifting up shouts of praise to, to who you are. God, we shout for joy this morning. We lift your name on high. We're thankful, Lord, for who you are. We know that the Lord is God. Lord, that we are yours. We belong to you, that we are the sheep of your pasture. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts, on our lips, in our minds. We give praise to you this morning, Lord. I ask that... Everything we talk about today would bring glory and honor to you as it ministers to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Everyone. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus returns, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. They won't have a choice. When we see the the, the glory of God revealed in, in, in Jesus Christ as he comes back, every knee will bow. But how awesome is it that we have the opportunity to willingly, voluntarily bow our knee, to worship him and acknowledge his goodness and his faithful, faithfulness, and I love this, to all generations. That's you. That's you. To all generations. So we're going to start... Uh, kind of diving into the word this morning, starting in 1 Thessalonians. And this is going to be our, our anchor passage for the morning. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says this, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're looking for some verses to memorize, there's a couple of good ones right there. Be, be joyful always, pray continually. Just a couple of words, you're good to go. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul here writing to the, the Th- uh, Thessalonian church. I'm going to have a hard time with that word all morning. Get that out. La, 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 la. The Thessalonian church. And he's, he's writing to them to encourage them, to be a blessing to them. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's, what was happening at the time. But he makes this statement. And, and, and what I love about the scripture, about these verses, is they're just plain. They're really easy to understand, right? When he says, be joyful always, what do you think he means by that? Be joyful always, right? There's, there's just a simplicity to what Paul is saying here. As we think about Thanksgiving, and we're going we're gonna to work through this passage, we're going to talk about being joyful, we're going to talk about praying continually, and we're going to end with Thanksgiving. What it means to give thanks in all circumstances, um, and, and then we'll conclude from there. But he starts, he ends the, ends the verse rather with this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty big statement. If you've, if you've known the Lord for, for any amount of time, really, the idea of knowing God's will for your life, and even as we've been talking about calling and what's God calling you to, what's God's will for your life? That people agonize over that, wonder about that, hope that they're not getting it wrong and understanding, Lord, what are you, what are you calling me to? What's your will for my life? I love that Paul just so plainly says, here's God's will for you. Be joyful, pray continually, and give thanks. That if these things are happening in your life, that you will be fulfilling and walking in God's will for who you are. Simple, so easy, so easy that a child could understand it. Paul just unpacks that for us. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks. Why? This is God's will for your life. This is what he's called us to. This is what he wants us to live in, the reality of our lives to be. So let's talk about these three things. Number one, be joyful always. Be joyful always. Can we just agree this morning that that can be tough, right? That's not always easy. In fact, I mean, okay, this, has anyone ever had a bad day? Right? Yeah, we've, we've all had a bad day. I, I mean, I was on the verge of a bad day this morning, which is ironic or timely, one of the two. Um, the call to be joyful always is, one, is something that everyone struggles with. If you know this verse, it creates problems. Am I right? It creates problems in our lives because you're like, okay, Lord, I know that your word says that I need to be joyful always, but I'm not feeling it right now. There is not joy. Or we identified that they're not being very joyful right now. Um, don't, don't elbow anyone. Um, <laughs> The call to be joyful always is one that we will always wrestle with. We'll always wrestle with that. We have bad days, and we always have reasons. You're going to notice there's lots of reasons for the reason I'm having a bad day, right? What are some of those reasons? We always say, why a long face? Well, for some people, it's like, I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't get enough sleep. I went to bed. I went to bed too late last night. I had to get up too early, and so I'm just in a bad mood because I didn't get enough sleep. Anyone identify with that? You're like, I need a solid eight hours, or I am no fun to be around. All right, 
Yeah, some of you, that's hitting home right there. How about this one? I haven't had my coffee. Right? Yeah. I haven't had my coffee, or I haven't had enough coffee, or I've had too much coffee and now I've got a huge headache. But just blame the coffee, right? Blame the coffee. Um, well, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I'm, I, there's no joy right now because someone was mean to me. Someone was unkind or said something that was, you know, that, that, that hurt my feelings. And so I'm, I'm having a, a bad day. How about this one? The things just aren't going my way, right? Things aren't going my way. That was my morning this morning. It was like from the, from the outset, I was like, oh, man, I wasn't expecting that. And I wasn't expecting that. And I thought I had time for that. And, oh, it's not going my way. And, then, and that can be hard. But have you ever heard anyone say, I'm having a bad day, I'm, I, I'm lacking in joy right now because I haven't spent time with Jesus, because I haven't spent time with the Lord. Megan knows me better than anyone, and, and when I'm having a bad day, more often than not, she's like, do you do your devotions today? Did you spend time in did you spend time in the word and she and she always she never says it in an in accusing manner but she can just tell you haven't been with Jesus today you haven't been with Jesus when Paul says be joyful always that statement is rooted in this understanding that you are spending time with Jesus that you're spending time at the foot of the cross because there are things that can go wrong and they do daily. And this is a short list, right? There's other things that are much bigger than not having your coffee. Not a lot, but there, there are. <laughs> and so there's so many other things that can, can come in and affect us. But the reality is that being joyful always is firmly rooted in spending time with Jesus Christ, being in his word, Knowing his heart. We've just been talking about the fruit of the spirit over the last couple of weeks. And of course, joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. Joy, joyfulness, or rejoicing. It is a fruit of the spirit. And remember, we've talked about the fact that that fruit's only produced when you're rooted and established, like in Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who's like the tree planted by the streams of living water who produces fruit in season. When you're planted by the river, when you're established and the roots are going down and the tree is strong, fruit has to be produced. It can't not be produced. And so if the fruit of joy isn't being produced in my life, the first question I have to ask myself is, am I rooted and established in Christ? Which really is a daily thing. It's a daily thing. Who likes to eat every day? All right? You like to eat every day. Good. Multiple times a day. Because again, that's one of those. If I don't have my lunch, by dinner, not in such a good mood. We like to eat multiple times a day because our body needs it. We need that time with Jesus because our spirit man needs it. And yet, if we're avoiding, if we're not spending that time with the Lord, or if it's, I spend time with Jesus every other day, and then you wonder why you're cranky, the answer is simple. Spend time with the Lord, listening to what he says. In fact, let's listen to what he says. John 15, verse 9 through 11. 
As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Again, just so simple and so plain. Remain in me. It's all rooted in love. Jesus spending time with the Father and he says, if you obey my commands... You won't know his commands if you don't spend time with him, if you're not in the word. In fact, the Great Commission, he says, go into the world, making disciples, teaching them to obey. Obey my commands. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. We can identify with Christ in this, that he had to spend time with the Father to determine what the next steps were because Jesus didn't have it easy. He didn't have it easy. His life was difficult by worldly standards. But he remained in the Father, and that love relationship with the Father sustained him, and he was able to do the things that God told him to do. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what joy is supposed to be produced in your life? Just suck it up, muster it up, come on, produce something, just be, just be happy. Everyone tell you, just be happy. When you're not happy and someone tells you just to be happy, what does it make you? It makes you mad, right? You get frustrated. I'm just not happy right now. We learned that too when like we were like two years old, right? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not happy. Just be happy. It's nothing that we can produce in and of ourselves. It's what God wants to produce. And Jesus says, I want to put my joy in you. Make my joy your joy. And not only that, my joy will be in you and that your joy may be complete. What does complete mean? Lacking nothing. Never running out. Never reaching a point where you go, oh, I'm, I'm on empty. I don't have enough joy. That your joy may be complete. That's Jesus' heart for you. That you would be filled with joy. How can Paul say to the Thessalonian church, be joyful always because he discovered who Jesus was in his life and was firmly anchored where he needed to be. Be joyful always. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 5, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Proximity to Jesus will transform your life. You will be a joyful person. Man, there's something of an ouch factor there, right? Because if I'm grumpy, I have to ask myself the question, am I spending the time with the Lord that I need to spend with him? Is the presence of God, is the presence of Jesus Christ in my life causing me to be a joyful person. And we understand this. Paul wrote these words in a season of his life where he was being persecuted. He was in chains. He was in prison. And he's writing these words. Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Can you imagine receiving a letter from Paul? The Philippian church gets a letter from Paul. A letter he wrote, they knew he was in jail. He was in prison. He was in shackles and chains. 
And they were reading these words going, well, what does Paul have to say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Wait a minute. Where, where's Paul? He's in, he's in jail. He's, he's chained up. Yet he's saying rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he's rooted in Christ. The Lord is near. So the first part of being thankful and thanksgiving, be joyful always. We've got a lot to be joyful about, to rejoice in. And when it starts with Christ, it just flows down from there and affects every part of our life. Secondly is this, pray continually. Pray continually. I'm going to be honest, the word continually used to stress me out. When I was a kid and I read that, I'm like, pray continually. Wait a minute, you mean I have to pray all the time? And I literally, I felt stress over that. I felt like if I'm not praying then, I'm not fulfilling God's word. Uh, that's not good. How can I pray continually? How is that even possible? Anyone else ever thought that? Like, yeah, how do you do that? What does that even look like? What Paul's not saying is, listen, you've just got to be on your knees with your hands folded, your hands put together, and your eyes closed. Just do that all day long. I have a youth pastor friend who has this statement. He says, don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. And sometimes people read a passage of scripture and then just make it weird and very impractical. Paul's not trying to make it weird. He's being very practical here. Pray continually. That prayer would just be a constant part of what our lives are. Why pray? Well, because things happen in our lives that will throw us off course. Things will come in every day. Every day there's going to be things that are trying to affect your joy and affect your direction and throw you off course. Why pray? Because it gets you back on track. It's a reminder that God's in control even when you're not, especially when you're not. And in those times that we think we're in control, no, God's still in control. Why pray? Because it resets us, it calibrates us, it gets us back to where we need to be. Because there are those things that will try and rob you of your joy. We have to remember that we are in a battle. That we're in a battle. And prayer is the best and easiest way, as Jesus says, to remain. It's the best and easiest way for us to remain. And it's simply this. In any moment... Any point of your day going, God, I need your help in this. God, I'm about to make a phone call, and I need your wisdom. Give me your words. God, I'm in over my head. God, my child is frustrating me right now, and I don't know what to do. Please save their life. <laughs> God, help. Some of you that... God, help. God, I'm sorry. Lord, that was a wrong attitude. God, I wasn't trusting you with that. Prayer continually, just throughout the day. Um, I, I'm a pretty chatty guy. I like to talk, you might have noticed. Um, and when I'm around a group of people, I'm, I'm talking. I'm just, I'm always talking. But when I get in the car, I get quiet. I don't know what it is, but I get behind the wheel, and I just, my mind wanders, and and I'll just drive. I can go for hours. I don't turn the radio on. I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to music. If I do, I'm probably listening to news radio. But I can drive for hours with just silence in the car and just be lost in my own thoughts. Sometimes forgetting that my wife is sitting right next to me. 
And she's asked me before, she's like, why is it you're around other people and you're all chatting, we get in the car together and, and like you just get quiet. And, and I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I've never really thought about it. But, but as I did start thinking about it from her perspective, I thought, oh, that's not cool. <laughs> that's, that's not good at all. Because she's my favorite person in the world. She's the one I, I really want to talk to more than anyone else. Yet I get in my zone. I get focused on the road and I'm just there and my mind is wandering. And, and the discipline of saying, you know, wait a minute, how's your day going? Hey, let's, let's talk about something. Let's, let's have a conversation. Let's initiate. And, and I love that the Lord brought that to my attention through Megan so that I can remember, you know what, there's a relationship that needs to be cultivated here. There's a relationship that needs to be cultivated. You know, sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we might talk to Jesus in the morning. We get up, maybe you do your devotions, and then it's like you get the, behind the wheel of life and you get tunnel vision and you forget that he's still with you. You might get to the end of your day and you're like, okay, Lord, let me tell you about everything that happened. And he's like, yeah, I was, I was there. I was there with you. And actually, I was waiting for you to, to call on me in that moment. See, because your day started off on the wrong foot, but if you'd stopped at that point and said, Lord, help me in this, man, I would have been able to direct you through the rest of your day. But you just try to do it on your own. Pray continually because it just calibrates. Back on track, back on track. Course correction, course correction, course correction, because the winds and the storms and the moments and the situations and sometimes just our own foolishness and our bad attitudes get us off track. Pray continually. In fact, Paul says this again to the Philippian church. Do not be anxious about anything. Anyone get anxious ever? Yeah, okay. Liars. (laughs) We all deal with that, right? In fact, let me just pause here real quick. Anxiety is one of those things in our culture in our Western culture, in our American culture, that is pervasive, it is rampant. If you don't think so, watch a football game and then count how many anxiety medication commercials there are. Now, I don't know what the tie is, maybe it's a football thing, but we know that anxiety medication through the roof in our culture because we don't know how to deal with our anxiety, primarily because we don't take it to Jesus. And so we have to do something else to deal with the anxiety inside of us. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Anything means anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There it is. He just spells it out for us. Don't be anxious. And if you do get anxious, pray and present it to the Lord and say, God, this is yours to deal with, not mine. I'm giving it to you. And then he says, oh, and, and then be thankful in the moment with thanksgiving at the moment of the request, not when it's answered. With thanksgiving already in your heart, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? Guard your heart. Course correction. Bring you back. God, my heart wants to go do its own thing. My heart right now wants to have a bad attitude. God's like, no, 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 let me guard that. 
See, the picture here is not of the Lord spanking us. It is the Lord loving us, putting his arm around us and guarding us and bringing us back to a place where we're aligned with him. Don't be anxious. This becomes the best anxiety treatment there is. Prayer and petition. Pray continually. Why? Because your stress level will go way, way down. But that isn't our go-to, is it? It's not our default. I'm going to deal with this. I've got to figure it out. And it builds. Now I've got heartburn. God's like, just let me guard your heart. Let me take care of what's going on inside of you. So finally this, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. So Paul says there in Philippians, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving comes at the moment of the request and we live in a world where we say thank you when we've gotten what we want. We live in a world where we say thank you after we've gotten what we want. Christmas is coming. Very quickly. I saw your lights on last night, by the way. <laughs> Still got a couple of days there before Thanksgiving, but... That was for Deb. <laughs> Thanks, Christmas is coming, and, and we were asking our kids last night, so, you know, what do you want for Thanksgiving? I mean, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. All right. What do you want for Christmas? And of course, Blake goes, I'll make you a list. I'm like, good, I'll check it twice. Um, (laughs) But you ask for something for Christmas, and then when you get what you want for Christmas, what do you do? Say thank you. How many of you ever written out a Christmas wish list and given it to someone and say, thank you for getting me, right? Whatever you're able to afford. No, um... The idea in our culture is you say thank you once you've gotten what you want or need. And Paul's saying here, give thanks when you're making the request because you're trusting that God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and in the way that he sees fit, the way that he knows that you need that prayer to be answered. Because I don't always know what's best for my life. See, thankfulness comes in at this point where, where I go, thank you, God, for helping me avert disaster, for changing the course and the trajectory of my life, because if I kept going the way that I wanted to go, it wouldn't have gone well. Thank you, Lord, that today that there are things that are outside of my control that, that I know I can't handle, but you will give me the strength to handle. Thank you, God, that today there's nothing that I can't face in your might and in your strength and with your spirit there's nothing that i can't face and come through victorious thank you lord that today nothing's going to rob me of my joy can you imagine starting your day out that way just praying that prayer thank you lord today that nothing will rob me of my joy because i want to keep my eyes fixed on you i guarantee you're going to have a great day you're going to have a great day Hebrews chapter 12, verse 20 and 29 through 29 says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. 
And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What kind of kingdom are we getting? What kind of kingdom are we a part of? What, what do we inherit? Something that will never fade away. It's an eternal kingdom, an, an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that has no end. And God said, this is for you today. You get to be a part of that. And in light of that, in light of this kingdom that cannot be shaken, while well, we live in a world that can. God says, I have a kingdom that I've brought to bear right now. Jesus said, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. That you have access now to a kingdom that cannot be shaken in the midst of a world that can. That's what God has for you. And in light of that, he says, let us be thankful. Let us be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5, this, that anchor, anchor passage for us, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. The Thessalonian church was a persecuted church. They were a persecuted church. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it talks about, he addresses them as having walked through severe, severe suffering, severe persecution. And in fact, that word severe is only ever used in relation to the Macedonian church, the church in Thessalonia, in that region of the world. Nowhere else do we see that word used. They walk through incredible hardship. It was in, in, in that area of the world, in Macedonia and Thessalonia, that Paul and, uh, was beaten and stoned. It was in that part of the world that in Thessalonica itself where uh, they came looking for Paul and Barnabas and wanted to drag them out into the street and they were able to slip away. But, uh, but uh, Jason and another member of the church there locally was, was captured and arrested and persecuted. And while Paul was there and even after that, the church in Thessalonica was, uh, was just completely under pressure. There never had a day that went by where where things just went smoothly for them. And it's in this, with this in mind that Paul's saying to them, be joyful always. See, it's not just that Paul was writing from prison. He knew their predicament. He knew their predicament. He knew that they were struggling and suffering. And he says to them, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will. I'd mentioned that this morning didn't go the way I needed to. And I just realized that my notes did not update. And so I'm missing the last part of my notes. Isn't that great? <laughs> Micah, there's another verse that I wanted to put up there. It's, I think it's in Second Thessalonians. There we go. Thank you. We are always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. This church had a reputation. They were known throughout the body of Christ around the world at that, at that time, at that moment in time, as the church that was suffering yet persevering. 
And you know that Paul goes on to say that other churches and other believers, that their faith was built and encouraged because of what they heard was happening in the Macedonian church. What was happening to the Thessalonians. And he says, keep doing what you're doing. Because even though things are hard, your thankfulness and staying in that place where you're being joyful always, praying continually, and giving thanks to God, that it is tearing down spiritual strongholds that man cannot see, but it is sending out ripple effects, waves across the world. And people are coming to salvation because of it. People are coming to salvation because of it. Why be thankful? Is it a fake it till you make it kind of thing? I know that coming to Thanksgiving, sitting at that table, for some people, the dread of that moment where we go, hey, let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for. And some people are like, not that. Not that. But can I just encourage you as a believer, as a believer that we always have something to be thankful for. We always have a place to be thankful for. We have a hope and a salvation that has been secured in Christ Jesus for eternity for us. At the end of the day, if that's all you're thankful for, that's something really great to be thankful for. And that when we share the testimony of what God is doing in our lives and we talk about the thankfulness of our heart in the midst of trials and in the midst of persecution that other people hear it and go, but I know what's happening in your life. How can you be thankful? And in that moment, God does a work, the same work that took place for these believers, that in the spirit that walls are torn down why should we be thankful? Because God is, is worthy. He's worthy. You know, it's, there's some form of the word thanks, thankfulness, thanksgiving. Over 200 times in the word. Over 200 times in scripture. It's a big deal. Being thankful is a big deal. He's a big God and worthy. And we're going we're gonna to end in a few minutes here by reading Psalm 107 together. Because it talks about that. He's worthy of our praise, but it's not just that. When I choose to be thankful, when I praise him and I give him thanks for who he is, when I praise his name, out loud, by the way, out loud, that something breaks in the spiritual realm and lives are impacted. Romans, I mean, Revelation chapter 12 says that the, that the saints overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. When you proclaim thankfulness, you are proclaiming a testimony of praise to God that tears down spiritual strongholds that you might not even be able to see, you might not be aware of. We come to the Thanksgiving table this week. We'll gather with family. Maybe you'll travel. Can I encourage you take time with your family, with your children, with your spouse, with your friends. I mean, to the point that you might be annoying them a little bit. But would you be that person this week that says, hey, can we just talk for a minute about what, what we're thankful for? And give praise to the Lord. See, because when you're joyful, always, and established and rooted in who Christ is, and when you're recalibrating your heart through prayer, the automatic overflow will just be a thankful heart. 
If this week, if you're struggling with thankfulness, if you're having a hard time, can I say, can I encourage you, go back to the joyful, prayerful part of this passage and just inspect your own heart. See, because thankfulness becomes a great barometer. It becomes a great barometer in our lives of how we're doing with the Lord, how close we are. We will all walk through things And it's more than likely that many of you are walking through things right now that are bigger than you. Where are you finding your joy? Are you coming to the Lord in prayer? And are you giving Him thanks in the moment? I want us to stand together this morning. And put that verse up on the screen. Psalm 107. It's a longer verse passage. We're actually going to read nine verses, but I want us to read it out loud together. The Psalms were written to be sung. They weren't written to be read inside your, inside your brain or for one person. They were, they were they're, they're worship songs. And just like we had the words on the screen earlier with the worship songs, that's what this was. The psalmist would write these words to be sung out loud for people to hear. And sometimes it was in the moment you're going, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and and you're feeling it. You're like, yes, he is. And sometimes you're going, give thanks to the Lord for he is good because that's what you need. Either way, God's going to meet you. So we're going to start, I'm going to count to three. On the count of three, we'll read this together all the way through verse nine. One, two, three. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things.